0: What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forging Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribrade Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder, or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to marybraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind Podcast. I'm your host Noah from Inniet River Forge. With me, your host Ryan from Ryan Chadbourne Knife Works. Hello. We got a special episode today, guys. We have not only Mick Pickle, Pickles, Pickle from Pickle Cutters, Nick Tobin in the house, but we also have Todd Harrington
2: from TH Blades,
1: and uh, we're going to talk all kinds of stuff
2: today. How's it going, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. You guys, what's up?
3: Good. (laughs) What's up, everyone?
1: (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, guys. Um, So this is a little bit different. We normally only have one guest on at a time, but uh, we were trying to get both of these guys on for the longest time, and it just worked out this way, so we're going to make it work. Um, Pickle, first of all, congratulations on your new gig, uh, the savior of the work for it podcast you're the (laughs) newest host over there do you hear Uh, that brian (laughs) what so so what's what's it like you know like uh picking up you know the 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 because there used to be ben butler on the show and he was a woodworker and uh when i first started listening to the show it was just ben and, and brian with an eye um a lot of changes have happened over the last couple of years so what uh what led you to pick up that gig man
2: Oh, well, they. Um, I had talked to Cohn about getting on the show as a guest, you know, because Ben wasn't around recently and lately. So uh, I asked him, and they're like, sure. So I thought he was talking about, you know, WFI 2 at first, and then he kind of brought up the show 15 minutes before on a work for it podcast live, you know, how he goes live every time before he records so uh he's like yeah see you in the show I was like wait what so they ended <laughs> up having me on that show and after I did the show I was like I don't know I got nothing to lose if I don't bring it up I'll never know so I'll just shoot my shot and I, I talked to Cone about it and then I talked to Brian about it Mr. House and uh we came to an agreement to have me as a third host to replace Ben which is uh, very cool yeah, very very cool, and I am very grateful as well too, because you know it's a opportunity, many opportunities I should say, and uh, I ain't gonna complain about it, right? Like I ain't gonna miss out on it. <laughs> it's a big deal, <laughs> sure. The, so, so is if, it if like we the any... number one knife related podcast or something like that, or is that you guys or who, who's the number uh, one related? D- d- depends <laughs> on who you ask, I think. Yeah, uh,
4: depends on what metric you follow too. <laughs>
1: uh, but uh, for those of uh, if we have any newer listeners uh, who've only been maybe listening to this show for like the last year or so, Pickle was actually a host on this show back before I was on, you know, way, way back in the day, Pickle was... Before um, Ryan was on, even.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan came, came right in the on my like end of, last stretch, yep. Yeah, tail end of when you were a host on this show, so... Um,
4: Fucking ran him out of here.
1: I was yeah, going to say, did. so if there's any, you know... <laughs> Anybody who really enjoys listening to pickle over on work for it, I think uh, a lot of the credit that we has to be given is to this show, because otherwise, I mean, even <laughs> experience, you know, to be able to be a podcast host, uh, I think it's all really due to the hustle and grind that that that's even happening. So I just want to make sure that that credits, you know, where it's.
5: I
2: you know, I I ain't gonna say nothing about it, or I'll just let you say whatever you want to say, Noah. I I don't want to get myself in trouble. I don't want to say anything (laughs) I shouldn't.
3: Hey, Pickle knows how to sit on a fence. (laughs)
2: It's like I'm kind of biased now, you know, like I can't I can't talk shit about podcasts on podcasts anymore. Yeah, that's fine. Oh not necessarily shit, but well, I I fully
1: enjoy you know talking shit to just about everybody, so um, yeah. I'm fine with it.
2: Well, now uh, you're
4: tied with Fader as the only person to be a host on two knife-related podcasts, so now you got to pick up a third one. Oh, so shit. Forge Side Chat should
2: bring you on. Maybe no, you know what? I'm going to ask Fader. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll uh,
2: just
1: jump on on that one. There you go. All right. So, uh, Todd, last time, last time I talked to you, it's been a freaking while. There's been a lot that's happened in your life um, since the last time we talked. Um, You were on a live stream on Instagram and you were talking about different ways that knife makers can kind of get their foot in the door as far as professional kitchens are concerned. Um, Whether it was, you know, going and visiting with chefs or calling ahead and, you know, making an appointment with a chef at a or restaurant nearby and going in and just kind of showing off some knives or just talking to people and kind of creating some sort of repertoire with, with, um, with professional chefs. I know there's a lot of people who aren't interested in that, or maybe it hasn't even occurred to them that that's an option. You know, we're just kind of all sitting on Instagram because that's where the knife making community is. And we're not necessarily checking out other areas where there's possibilities to make sales. Um, we're just kind of showing off our knives and complaining about how the algorithm hates us. And that's why we're not getting sales is all that jazz. You had a little bit of a different opinion on it. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about that?
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty opinionated that day. I was on, I was on one. <laughs> yeah, you were. I don't know what <laughs> the on, fuck you were on, but you, you, know, you were. <laughs> <laughs> I, normally don't, I normally don't, uh, you know, lash out that way. And I normally don't go on a live even, um, but I was just pretty annoyed, uh, kind of in general, cause I had something happen with, um, with a knife, uh, and, and a, a pretty high profile guest and, uh, I, their wife put it in the dishwasher and, um, not just once it was in the dishwasher at least a half dozen times. Oof. And so the phone call I got was, uh, I was actually, I, I didn't answer cause I was in, um, I was in Vietnam. No, I'm sorry. I was in Thailand at the time. And, um, yeah, I just wasn't happy. I was actually eating at like a Michelin, a two star Michelin donut restaurant, believe it or not, what they were known
5: for.
3: <laughs> what? And so I was like, I was so excited to be eating these fucking pork floss donuts, man. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I got a message on Instagram. And I was just broken the whole meal. I couldn't stop staring at my phone. My wife's looking at me like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, I don't want to talk right now. I want to talk about it. I was, I was so angry. And and everyone here, you know, you know that feeling. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is some bullshit. You know, I've put, you know, nothing but, you know, this is all up to you. This, you know, I'm not gonna babysit this for you. This is how you take care of it. This is what you don't do. And now, because of that incident, I actually I have um, these clear printed labels now. That after I, after I wax the blade, everything's fully finished, there's two stickers that are very hard to remove. I don't give a shit anymore. I put them on the blade, so they have to take them off themselves. And it says, do not dishwash, do not soak. Two completely different stickers, one on either side of the blade. So there's no excuse. So I take a picture of that and I send it and, you know, go ahead and, you know, let me know if, if it rusts on you or if you dishwashed it and any of that, you know, and we've been down this road. I've heard so many knife makers talk about, you know, yeah, I'm going to charge yeah. them. But at the same instance, like, you know, how many times, and I'm a chef, so you know how many times I've had to explain to a chef that you can't soak a, a, a high carbon knife, like it's pretty pathetic. So just knowing that it, it's, it's really hard to kind of get it across to people so now i just slap them in the face with it it's not and a common knowledge anyways, that's what set me off that day <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not what happens is it's not a common knowledge to most knife typical knife users you know like household knife users don't they don't really get that stuff and even like anybody else with anything else instructions do we follow them guys no right, that's right i don't i throw them in the trash exactly so you know like i print them out i send them out with every knife when I think about it, you know, obviously. But uh, it, to me, it's a waste of time because I tell them, I send them a link in their DMs and it's all up to them at that point.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's on my website too. It's on my website and now it's on stickers on the blade. It's obviously on the letter that I'm like, thank you for your business, et cetera, you know. Yeah. yeah don't anyways, send, so anyways, us, so don't send us a picture of that blade
2: too, telling us it didn't go through the dishwasher because we right. do know <laughs> what a blade that went through a dishwasher looks like. Okay. Yeah.
5: yeah. The uh, the thing that I
2: started doing,
1: and the stickers are a strong move, but uh, I have a, I don't know what you would call it, like a, I had a name for it, but I don't remember. It's been a while since I've used it, but uh, basically a, a disclaimer. And so I created this all through my website. And then when somebody makes a custom order through me, you know, we discuss the particulars of it. They fill out a form on my website that gives them an idea of the price of it and everything like that. And then I have this, you know, basically, I don't know, like terms and conditions or whatever. And they have to manually check each one of these bullet notes that is on there. And one of them is I have gone to the knife care section on the webpage and I have read the knife care instructions. And I understand that carbon steel is different than stainless steel. And I acknowledge that blah, 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 blah. And they have to check each and every one of those boxes. And one of them is that. And, uh, and I haven't had any issues in a while. And the ones that I have had is people where it's like, Hey, this was an F up. I, I know I effed up like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Can you, can you admit it? it? Yeah, Yeah. that's totally fine. But yeah, I totally get where you're coming from, Todd, with the, the, uh, you know, trying to say that it's that it didn't go through the dishwasher or it didn't sit in the bottom of a sink or something like that. That's super frustrating. It's awesome.
3: I had just gotten back from Thailand and then I, I just, I, my wife told me like, don't bring it up. Don't post about it. None of that. So I'm like, you know, what? I'll meet you in the middle. I'm going to still do what I want to do, but I'm not going to post about it. I just went live. (laughs) And of course that was like a a half hour, 40 minutes of me just like going off on, you know, what not to do. And and then, you know, I pulled all the blades up from everybody I've ordered a knife from. And, uh, you know, I kind of walked through it. Like, you know, this is why this blade is special. I, you know, I, I, I designed this with the knife maker. I know the knife maker. And I thought, and I had, you know, probably like 20, 30 chefs watching it at, at, at different points of, of, the time. And, uh, and well, some is people. Was that the library where that. you couldn't remember my name? Yeah. I knew yeah. your name. <laughs> I, you know what it was? <laughs> okay. Listen, you got to take some responsibility here. Okay. Because it's uh, Coakley at Chadbourne. That's what's so confusing. And everybody and everybody listening to this and everybody in this room right now has had that same issue. Like, wait a minute, am I calling him am I saying Chadbourne or am I saying Coakley? So anyways, I'm just like so I'm like, I'm stuttering like Ryan, but I wasn't worried about your first name. I was worried about what to follow it. That's what
1: I do that every single time I do the intro to this show. I, I feel like I'm going to mess it up as I'm like, oh, yeah. And the host, uh, Ryan <laughs> uh, Chet ch- uh, c- Coke, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coakley, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, right, I, for some reason, I'm right there. with you, man.
2: I don't have that issue for some reason. And I think it's because I when he when I was hosting with him on this show, uh, I would call him uh, Coakley Doakley.
4: <laughs> That's right. That's right.
2: I forgot about that. Yeah. So that yeah, kind of stuck. So every it. time, like, yeah, what that stuck, and like you said, once you get to know the guy, you obviously know his last name at some point, you know.
3: Yep. And so anyway, so that kind of, sh- you know, I went off on this whole tangent on on how not to ruin it or how to ruin a knife and why, you know, it really pisses me off. And there's a lot of hour hand hours in this and all that. And then I started showing everyone's knife off, and then I got to. Um, um, whose knife did I get to? Oh, I got to um, Brian Hunt's knife, and at the time they were um, they were samples of what he had given me. He just wanted me to hold them and kind of run them through the not the dishwasher, <laughs> run them through the, my like daily <laughs> <laughs> daily workings as a chef and to see how they go and you know kind of give him my honest opinions. And what's cool about that interaction, and I'm fast forwarding where I'll go back, is like I gave him just a couple things that you know I not that I didn't like about it, but that I preferred not to have or preferred to have on certain things. And, um, I ended up ordering a knife off of him and, you know, he, you know, for appreciation, cause he had sent me three other knives, uh, for me to take to Dallas with me and just kind of like, you know, tear off, tear off some primals and all that stuff, which I did. And it only took me one time to demo the knives in front of a kitchen full of 45 people. And I sold the knives within the first 10 minutes. I, I messaged Brian. I'm like, Hey, uh, I don't know if you want me to send these back to you, but you got a buyer if if you want to, if you want him to just wire you the money. And that's what happened. So it was, it actually worked out for everybody. So because of that, he made me a knife as an appreciation. And then of course, you know, like I think everyone, everyone knows here, like I like to give back as much as possible. So I'm like, I'm going to buy a knife. That's ridiculous. So I bought um, an additional knife and the knife that I had bought was the perfect version of what he had sent me that I had said, Oh, you know, I wouldn't, I don't like this part or whatever. And he sent it back like with all my critiques and it's such a nice knife. I have it right here. It's super nice. It's like super fits so nicely in the hand. I mean, it's, it's really, really thin at the front. I mean, it's so beautiful and he did a a great job keeping it light. It's, you know, high carbon, which I like obviously, And I know, I know Ryan's like, God damn it, fucking high carbon. But anyways, (laughs) but yeah, so that's kind of where that, that, that got off to. So anyways, I, I got to his knife and I, I talked about, um, so I brought up the fact that he was so blown away that I could sell a knife in 10 minutes and it's because I was in the kitchen, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm, I'm a respected individual in the kitchen. I mean, culinary director for a very high profile, you know, restaurant group. So when I'm in there and I I'm doing a demo in front of 45 people, and I mentioned that these knives weren't, you know, were made handmade and and that I was using them. They were like, wait, are they for sale? And I'm like, "Uh, I think so. Let me reach out to them and just sold right away. So you know, and I, and I've talked to Ryan about it. Um, I talked to Brian a great deal actually after that live, cause he was, he was watching me as well. And I, I'm very opin- opinionated about putting your knives out there and, and, and how to do it. And I think that what people don't know and people don't realize is you have an executive chef at the restaurant, right? At one, one executive chef in a restaurant that houses 120 full-time employees. And of that, of that 121 people, that is the only person making six figures, the only person. And Ryan knows when you're in a kitchen, you're at minimum wage. You're maybe 14, 15 bucks an hour. If you're a, a solid, you know, like workhorse, you're at 16, 17 bucks an hour. Now after COVID, you know, we're some of our guys like, Nineteen, I think that was the highest we were paying them. You know, within our restaurant group, I'm not with them anymore, so I I did change careers. But I, I but now I can say that. So we're at like nineteen for our best guys. Um, but th- those aren't the guys buying your knives. Those aren't the guys buying a custom knife. They're the guys that are using that plastic handled bullshit knife that's nine nine dollars at the local, you know, cooks. Uh, you know, you can get everything, Webstrant or whatever the hell it's called, where you can buy a knife and a pair of shoes at the same place. That's where they're getting their stuff. And it's perfectly fine for them. And they don't care to have anything else. They don't, you know, and and even if they did have a high carbon knife or something nice or an heirloom piece of any sort, even if it's a spoon, it'll get either lost or it'll get stolen or damaged. That's the three things. I mean, there's no getting that thing taken care of. Someone is watching it 24-7. As soon as it hits, hits the cutting board, it might get stolen. I mean, I've seen so many. Many of my knives have gotten stolen in the past.
4: Jeez, so, yeah. Can I touch on that point, Todd? Absolutely. Um, the point about things getting stolen, most most line cooks, they're not. I mean, we're not to like degregate a whole, or if that's even a word, you know what I'm saying. Not trying to shit on a whole group of people, but most of them are like alcoholics or fucking losers. You know, I'm. A, yeah. I was a cook for a long time. I worked with some. Pieces of shit. Um, But as far as getting going into restaurants to get knives sold, you're 100% correct. You may be lucky to sell one knife to the kitchen staff. Um, Where I think most people should focus is getting in with the restaurant itself and finding a restaurant. Because restaurants will be able to spend money on things like that and it's tax write offs. So if they use your knives on the tables, for instance, like in my case with the deal that I've got, you know that's a tax write off. That's they buy those knives when they need them, and it's silverware for the tables. Um, uh, I know a lot of places use handmade pans. They use nice dishware, you know, things like that, like high end restaurants. Yeah. Don't go into a Fucking Ruby Tuesdays or an Applebee's or a Texas Roadhouse or, you know, these guys are make these guys are more paycheck to paycheck than we are, and they're using six dollar plastic handled chef knives, you know.
3: Yeah, I mean, know your audience, right? Know your right. audience. You got to go into the right the right places. Um, you know, the a steakhouse that's a good example. Actually, your client, you're selling fifty in a month, I believe it was right.
4: Yeah, it's slowed down now. They changed the policy internally um, mm. that that limited how many were getting stolen. So,
3: but that's huge. I mean, I I mean, and at the end of the day, too, I'm not you know I don't want to put any ideas in anyone's head, but anyone can do this. You can make a pamphlet or something that you can just hand to the general manager, the executive chef, the owner, the you know. Uh, managing partner, whoever it is. And you can go in there and bring a, an example and just say, Hey, look, this is what I did for another steakhouse. You know, they get 50 for me every, you know, whatever it is, two months now, or it's roughly 25 a month. And these are for the guests to use. And they also sell them up at the post to stand as people are leaving. And, you know, like that's such a great thing, but I mean, also too, there's that as your clientele. Um, there's also a way to sell them to, if you do go to a steakhouse, you can sell them as a set of four, uh, to the restaurant to then flip it to the customer, or um, you can do what I'm working on currently right now, and I'm working on a uh, a set of six that is in a box, and you and the box is is tailored to the restaurant itself. So I just started making sayas maybe like five months ago, and I'm trying to you know lace the the actual box. I'm buying the box, but I'm going to cut it out. I'm going to put some G10 in it on it, I'm sand it. So it looks all perfect. So I'm going to match the outside with the inside theme, which is the color of the restaurant. And then that'll be like the VIP steak box that you bring out to the table, open up and you let your VIPs it could be ownership. It could be people you're entertaining that are, you know, investors, et cetera, et cetera. Any steakhouse would want to drop, you know, 500 bucks one time on something like that. And, and, it, and it's a niche you know what I mean that and I also had a, a steakhouse here in Las Vegas reach out to me about a um, carving table side you know this is something that's from the 60s and should have died in the 60s but now it's coming back and so people are you know doing that whole like roll up a meat cart to your table carve it carve it table side not just Tarasco grill style but this is like you know prime rib and that kind of stuff's coming back Chateaubriand stuff that's from France you know like you know, filet mignon coming out to the table in a huge 18 ounce portion that can be sliced at the table. Those are things that they now are slicing at the table to create, you know, like a a more immersive experience for their guests. So even if they don't have that, if it's the right, you know, um, like venue for something like that, you can sell them on that. Like, Hey, you know, I have something that you might need and just give them a need that they might want. And, And if you talk to the right person, then it's, then it's a sale. But yeah, everyone, and- everyone's pretty shy. I mean, none of the people that are buying from you or me or anyone is here on Instagram. We're we're dropping twenty bucks, thirty bucks here on a on a waffle, but that's not. I mean, pickle. I learned that from you, pickle. Pickle is smart. He goes live on Instagram, but he goes live on Facebook, and the people on Facebook are not his followers that are knife makers. I mean, we are, but you have two thousand other people that might that would not might that would definitely buy it sooner than another knife maker that's probably thinking. Hey, I that's could do cool. that, you know. Like, and if, and if I, you know, I, I can do a lot of things, but I'm I'm still gonna buy a knife from everybody. It doesn't mean that I can do it better or worse. Uh, probably worse. Uh, but I mean, I could do it better or worse. At least I can I can get it and I can be a part of it. But that's not something. I'm not like your common customer. You know, it'll be a once and done thing or maybe twice. Maybe yeah. twice. yeah you bring up a good point i'd like to put something something. else
1: in your hands oh sorry no go ahead oh you're good um but the one thing that i've noticed about pickle versus a lot of the rest of us is pickle has a unique facebook presence and i don't think i'm speaking out of turn here to say that that the demographic of the people who are buying handmade custom knives is typically a little bit older. You know, we're selling we're selling knives to people who are boomers, who have more expendable income than millennials or zoomers or anything like that. Um, You know, people who are a little bit more established in their life, they have expendable income, they want nicer things. Um, When we're not talking about, you know, like professionals and that sort of thing, people who are home cooks or people who are buying, you know, hunting knives, that sort of thing. They're generally going to be in that older age bracket, and if you look at the demographics of who's frequenting the different social media platforms, I'd say Facebook is going to be that the the you know the majority of the people who are on that platform are going to be the boomers, you know, age forty and up. The people on boomers. Instagram are going to be you know eighteen to forty, and then the people on TikTok are going to be you know 21 12 to and under, you know something like that. Um, so tailoring where you're putting your your time and effort right now. I, I have almost zero Facebook presence, but I'd say the majority of the online sales that I've gotten have been from Facebook, even though I have a tiny, tiny footprint on Facebook because I spend all my time on Instagram um, because I'm not really interested in promoting myself that much right now. I'm as busy as I want to be. But for somebody who's trying to make something happen, you know, somebody who's out there hustling and grinding to try and get their business off the ground, you know, paying attention to those metrics of where your target customer is knowing what your target customer is to begin with, and then going out and finding them is really important. And that's something that pickles done really well. And it it shows in, you know, just how many, you know, you watch pickles content and you see how many knives he's getting out there and how many knives are selling when he's making them, you know, not finished knives, knives that, you know, are mostly finished. Hey, who wants to pick the handle on this? You know, I see that from him constantly. You know, they you, move. you get to pick the handle and he moves them.
5: Yeah.
2: I had three this batch and there's one that hasn't moved yet. And I have a feeling it's going to move today. So like I always, every batch that I do that are orders, I always throw in a few availables in there because I'm making my steel and I always end up with steel to make something else. So I just go ahead and draw up something on the bar, cut it out, put it up as available. A lot of times, once I get a test etch done and people see the pattern reveal, they get all giddy over it and they want it. So, you know, that works. But uh, come back to what you were saying, Facebook and all that and the demographics and, and the right crowds and targeting people. Um, what was common sense to me with Facebook is Facebook is not like the other platforms. Facebook has... A wide, wide, very vast variety of groups out there—from hunting to fishing to chefs to everything. So, if you join all of these groups, yep, and you repost to all of these groups, you're going to catch somebody's attention. And that's not just your followers seeing your shit. If you're posting into a group that's got twenty thousand people and you only got three thousand followers, you just became—you just ended up with twenty-three thousand followers, technically. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. those 20,000 people in the group, there's a percentage of them that are going to see it. Not all of them, but you know, there's, if it's an active group, it's going to get seen and you're going to get DMS. So yeah, right. it, it goes, it,
4: Oh, go ahead. It gets around the thing that oh, people yeah. bitch about for IG where they're not, they're only getting reached to their own followers.
2: Yep. And when and I look at my me. analytics on Insta, on Instagram, uh, like, like, a lot of people say their followers don't see their stuff too. And when I look at my analytics, like non followers are barely anything in my analytics. Like, seriously, Mine too. my stuff does not get pushed out to non followers, which it happens once in a while. They do. And I get 6,000, uh, 16, 20,000 views on a reel. But like, I learned that views do not equal sales. Sure, there's eyes on your product. But the hustle is what's going to equal the sales, not the views. You could get a million views on this beautiful hammer you made and not sell one fucking hammer because the people that saw that reel on that platform are not people that are going to use a blacksmith hammer or use a big chopper or whatever, you know? So that's why I find Facebook more appropriate for that kind of like marketing technique, if you want to say tactic, because it works. And I've seen other guys get in on it, and it worked for them, too. So, so if it's r- not working quick. for you, you're being lazy, in my opinion. Real quick. Okay, so that's
1: kind of where I was going with this. Um, how much time would you say that you spend a day either on Facebook or posting on groups or finding groups to post in? Or, you know, what's what's the time investment that you would think well, that you're putting in If we're going to
2: talk about filming the reel, creating the reel, Posting the reel to every platform and then going to Facebook and sharing it to 30 to 40 groups, depending on what the the the, the blade is. You know, if it's a hunting knife, I ain't going to share it in the chef groups. Sure. So uh, it pretty much goes to. Fuck, I lost what I was going to say. <laughs> how much time? How much time, oh, yeah, time do you spend? <laughs> See how long it took me to lose that. <laughs> well, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, like th- all that, like I did one just before I sat down here. And Ryan gave me a heads up saying I'll send the link out in 15 minutes. I had already gotten 20 minutes on one real, like, work time. And uh, that 15 minutes, he sent the link, and I still had, like, five minutes left to do with my posting to Facebook and all that jazz. So I had to go through that real quick. So it's a good 25 minutes to 35 minutes per, per post. Okay. So if I'm posting three times in a day, that's a good hour and a half, you know? And then yeah. my lives on top of that. And then when I'm sure. doing the raffles, those lives as well, too. I could be on a live for a half hour, 40 minutes. You know, that's why when I put a raffle piece up, I'm asking an extra $100 on my price. You know, if you buy it straight out, you'll pay 500 But if I'm doing a raffle, I'm doing 30 spots for fucking $20 a spot, and I'm paying myself my time.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but also, Pickle, you're operating the way a full-time knife maker should be operating. A hundred percent. I think so. I'm not saying it is the the way, that's how they should be operating. If you're not, and don't be bitching about sales. No, you can take all the
2: knives you can if you don't put the time into the marketing side of things. Mm -hmm. And with these social media platforms at being free, why wouldn't you do it? It doesn't cost you a fucking cent.
4: Also, you can't bitch about being shadow banned if you're not posting. I've never seen you complain about being shadow banned because you're not because you post four or five, six times a day, whereas yeah. most guys post four times a week, maybe, including myself. Like, so, you know, we have no room to complain about it. We need to look internally and be like, it's our fault this is happening. We're not posting enough. We're not posting quality content. We're not posting relevant content to the people that follow us. Uh, you know, all those things are
2: factors. And you know what I've noticed too, is um, there's different ways to set up your profile on Instagram, right? It could be an artist, or you could be a business, or this and that. Uh, people that are set up as businesses pushing out blades are more likely to get suppressed as an art than an artist pushing out blades. Does that make any sense to you guys? Yeah, because it kind of does to me. They're totally against weapons and all that stuff. So if your business trying to make a living on their platform compared to an artist, an artist could be anything. So they probably don't have the IG police as stuck on the artist side of things compared to the business side of things. You know, There's more liability yeah, probably sense. for them as well, too, on the business side. You know, side I got to tell
3: you, everybody talks about Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as if that's the only thing that they can do. And to be honest with you, what I what I do that's um, that people should really consider, and I'll tell you it works out for me, is I... I mean you rarely see me post like thblades.com i really don't i really don't push that because i have a full-time career and i you know i don't care to like really get a ton of a wave of blades to be done you know what i mean and uh but what i've what i've actually done is i cr- i have a linkedin and as most professionals have a linkedin um i have followers that are all chefs now we're talking like 6,000 connections that are all chefs, not just like friends from high school. So it's better than Facebook in that sense, if you want it to be, you know, just business and directed at a certain group of people. So, I mean, it's a slow build. Obviously, it's taken me about 11 years since, since uh, LinkedIn, I, I want to say since I probably started using LinkedIn, um, maybe a little longer than that. But um, all of them, all the people that I connect with are chefs. And this was way before I started making knives. So what what LinkedIn allows you to do, I know Facebook does too, but it's a little complicated. I know Pickle understands it better than I do, but it's really easy to have a sub page that is like a little side business or a side hustle or whatever it is that you have. And so on my LinkedIn, if you look me up, it's Todd Harrington in Las Vegas. I have a sub page. You can click on it. It's TH Blades. It shows everything. And I post every Monday because the algorithm for LinkedIn is post early in the morning on Monday and maybe throughout the week. But early in the morning on Monday is the biggest, you know, the best followers you can possibly get. And I want to say in the last three weeks, I gained 200 followers. But like Pickle said, it's not just it's not just like kids watching TikTok. It's 200 followers that are all chefs. The only people that can follow me are people that that, belo- that that follow me already that are chefs within that 6,000 people or whatever it is that then want to also follow what I can bring to the table, something more if I have a side hustle or whatever it is. So all those people that followed me in the past two weeks, a, a couple hundred people, all CTH Blaze. I know they're either chefs or culinary directors or front of house managers or GMs or it's always restaurant related. So check out LinkedIn too. It's, you know, check it out.
1: Yeah, I heard we're another about one. The quality, the quality of follower, not necessarily the quantity. Right. It's That's a right. lot different when you're talking about people who are pointed, you know, in a certain direction versus just random people who are scrolling or bots that are scrolling Instagram or whatever. It's, um, you know, the quality is definitely there. Uh, Pickle, you were saying.
2: I was going to say there's uh, another one that I've heard a few makers that you won't see much of their work either on Instagram or Facebook, but they're successful on reddit
3: oh
2: yeah i heard reddit. this as well yeah yep. they're success. i haven't tried because i am i'm busy like i don't if i was worried about orders and trying to get people's attention i might look into it but i'm not at that point yet i'm not desperate for sales but uh right. i heard it works
1: yeah i heard Pretty. the same thing i spoke with someone who um who was successful at it. And my biggest concern was that, you know, I don't know Reddit. I don't know how to use the platform. Um, I've used it a little bit in the past, but, uh, from what I understand, the biggest thing on, on Reddit is you will get crucified for promoting yourself or something like that. And so I was confused. And so I asked about that and apparently they're just like in Facebook, there's groups that you can join and you can post in and that sort of thing. And you can get, Different areas in Reddit to where you can actually get your foot in the door and get those quality followers um, the same way that you would on LinkedIn or Facebook or something like that. I um, guess there's
2: a lot of trolls on Reddit, but yeah, yeah. But th- that helps and that helps numbers in the end. You know right. what I'm saying? So if you got ten thousand trolls versus a hundred good guys, but those ten thousand trolls are probably gonna get five hundred other good guys' attention because those numbers are gonna jump in on that analytic and yeah. Yeah, you just got to you know? have a little bit
4: thicker skin, I think.
2: Yeah, exactly. To play yeah, on Reddit. but You just don't lose your shit and end up with a ban or whatever.
4: Like, I told this yeah. one guy,
2: his mom rocked him too close to the wall when he was a child, and I ended up, <laughs> get, yeah, I ended up getting banned for, like, a week. <laughs> so, like, there was, dude, I was flipping. I was like, fuck, I literally, you know, like, that, that was on my personal page, too. It wasn't even on, like and it affected my whole meta thing everything facebook business instagram everything was locked down i was like oh shit i i i can't freely speak anymore because i'm a business
1: owner <laughs> so i think uh let's go ahead and just wrap this up because i don't know how much the listeners want to listen to uh, uh social media talk so i think we i think we've given them a great number of different venues uh, well, fuck, approaches they, they
2: just got everything for free we charge them honestly, for that on the Work For It podcast. We had them go, <laughs>
1: <laughs> go right, over we, to the we, Patreon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if
1: you think that what you just heard was valuable, you can go ahead and go to Hustle uh, patreon.com slash hustle and grind and get all kinds more of it. And we're going to have a great uh, after show today as well. Um, but I just wanted to say that I think in summary of basically everything that we've we've said is, is action is really at the core of this. And I hate to sound like Brian House here, but honestly um, – I guess I don't hate to right now. I was going to say, I wouldn't hate that. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Uh, I hate, I hate to sound like I'm copying Brian house here. That's what I, that's what I meant to say here. Um, But, but action is at the core of this, you know, being, being pointed, being, um, you know, having a, a method when you're going about this is so important and being willing to put forward that effort, you know, the, you know, the 15, 20 minutes, you know, you know, normally you'd post a reel to Instagram and it's five minutes, you know, you just go, okay, yep. Post that and, and and done. Okay. Well take an extra 15, go find some groups on Facebook, post that same content. You already made the content, but you need to be pointed and you need to be um, very methodical about the way that you approach it. If you expect to actually get these sales, whether it's talking about posting on, on different groups or different social media platforms, or whether you're talking about like what me and, you know, what Todd was talking about, where you're going in your meeting, You know, kitchen managers, you have to be pointed about that too. You have to be methodical about that. You know, which restaurants are you going to go to? You're not going to go to Ruby Tuesdays. You're not going to go to Applebee's. You're going to go to the fanciest restaurant in your town and you're going to just ask to talk to the head chef or the manager and you're going to put yourself out there. Um, And if online sales are not working out for you, that might be the best way to go. You know, if you can't, if you can't make a movement on social media, you need to be moving your feet and move those feet and try and get your, that foot in the door and see where that leads you. Um, Ryan, can we real quick hear from uh, one of our sponsors?
4: Yeah, uh, I just want to touch on that real quick. Don't approach anything with a sense of entitlement,
5: mm-hmm. including
4: social media. I mean, I, I I fear a lot of us do that. We Well, we have an account and I make shit. They need to push my stuff. Well, why? You know, it's finite. The so, Only so many people are going to get followed. You got to be sure you're one of those people don't approach it with a sense of entitlement and for the hunting knife guys there's gun stores there's fishing shops you know there's there's other things out there don't limit yourself to just knives even back on restaurants make spatulas make pizza cutters make ladles make fucking everything that anybody might need 1095 pots and pans you can do it yep, you can make the sales there's
2: people out there to buy Anything you make, but yeah, don't. Jeff even started making the burger flippers and scrapers, and he st- like rehandled one and then made a couple. And uh, then I asked him how the Jeff who? was fader. Who's Jeff? Who's that? He's making what? Are you guys serious? Or are you fucking with me right now? No, I know, I know,
1: who, <laughs> I know who it is, but I don't know what you're talking about. What's he making? He made a
2: couple like flippers, like burger flippers, and fucking grill scrapers and shit. Oh really? I I know he rehandled one, and he made a couple. And uh, bakers use straight blades to scrape their butcher blocks. Do you know who I reached out to, and I'm still waiting for an answer? That's something else you guys could do: is reach out to people that are, you know, high celebrities or whatever. It's shoot your shot. It's a free feel, like it's free range. You could talk to whoever you want on social media. You could send them a message and reach out to them. I reached out to Seth Rogen. Nice. you guys see what he does on Instagram on yeah, the daily? Potter. Yeah, exactly. What do potters use? Potter knives, pottery knives. Why not make a set of pottery knives? And I, you know, I, sh- I shot it out there and I tried, you know, it's up to him to see the message now and reply. Yeah. But if, if he doesn't see it, I ain't going to beat myself over it and I'm just going to move on to somebody else, you know? Totally. And Like we'll switch gears
4: now, but basically just don't be lazy people. Diversify what you make. And get the fuck out there. Stop being entitled about it. You pussies. Anyway. That's
1: what Ryan said. Be humble. You know, if yeah, you walk into a if you <laughs> if you walk into a restaurant and you go up to the head chef and tell him, hey, my knives are the best. You know, you need these things. You're not going to get a very good response. You know, be, you know, if you approach any situation from humility and just trying to, you know, provide value to somebody, that's when you're going to get that response. Is when you're trying to provide value, when you're, you know, humble and just trying to make good connections that's when you're going to be successful.
2: Right. Exactly. You couldn't have said it better than that. Seriously, like I've seen makers leave the scene for being not humble and being assholes and being mm-hmm. pricks and jerks and like you you ain't going to make it. Like you could work nobody as hard as you want. With, nobody wants to deal with that shit. No, you could work as Rope. hard as you want and yeah. hustle as hard as you want if you're a fucking dick you're not going to make it. Sorry guys. Change yeah. your ways. Be humble.
4: Let's hear about somebody now that's not a dick and has mastered networking, Lawrence Lake of Maritime Knife Supply.
5: Yes. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke.
4: Thanks, Luke. Lawrence is the best.
1: Everything we want is quality.
4: Yeah. Everybody knows, though. Okay, I don't have to say it, it every episode. Yeah, no. Everybody knows Lawrence is the best. Okay. All right. He's the best in the business, but uh, we wanted to talk about something that Noah and I have been talking to other podcasters a lot lately and, um, and we could actually thank Brian house for this because Brian house, you know, he started the whole, we're the number one pot knife related podcast. Where are you going with this, but I'm scared on work for it. Um, It's what we had already talked about. So one of the podcasters we had talked to had mentioned that swearing on podcasts drives your numbers down. and can't can't sugarcoat
2: everything for everyone now, right? We know that. Right. So we wanted
4: to know how you two felt about that because I'm very fond of swearing. I don't even know I'm doing it half the time. And it doesn't bother me when I hear it. But I'm well aware that some people... When they hear it, it kind of it's off putting for them, yeah. which I don't understand, but I'm well aware that those people exist in the world.
5: Yeah.
2: If you ask my mother what my middle name is, it's motherfucking asshole. <laughs> so, like, I like, swear to God, I learned how to swear from my mother. She does not have a clean mouth, she has a potty mouth. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I picked it up. And every other word out of my mouth is a fucking swear. Right.
4: But, i brought that up before the show we had talked about this a little bit and i said we're nor'easters and the air here will make you say fuck exactly you'll just walk outside and go oh fuck and like you know it's so like it's automatic yeah little old ladies at the fucking grocery store swear
2: when i talk to them yeah it's just maybe it's a regional thing you stop at the gas station for gas and the 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 tenant is pumping your gas, not the tenant, but the clerk or whatever is pumping your gas, and he'll literally be like, "Nice fucking day." eh? <laughs> 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 so it's like it's a Jeez. thing up here, literally, where everybody swears. Like you can't have a conversation in Northern Maine or Maine period, or even here without somebody swearing. Like there's going to be swears. Todd, what's your T-
3: opinion? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Philly and uh I agree with what everyone's saying, but I will say that um it definitely men- makes sense that it drives the numbers down just because you know in in everybody's world today, everyone's on eggshells for whatever reason, and it's beyond like people it's beyond people like, oh, you know, I'm driving into work, and it's you know I'm driving my kid to the to the uh the nanny, and I don't want them hearing this while you're listening to the podcast or whatever it is. Cause i i someone had complained before, Ryan, I, I heard that one, it. yeah. Yeah, someone had complained before, like my kids are listening. It's like, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It, a it was actually story. Jeff
2: Fader that had mentioned that. Really? Oh, it was yeah. on Knife Talk that happened? Yeah, it was on Knife Talk. Yeah. They they somebody was driving their kid into school or daycare or something and they were going off on a rant on the radio. So, you know, that's that's not our responsibility as podcasters. That's the parents' responsibility sure, not to listen actually, to the podcast you know when the listening. child's in like they won't watch porn while the kids sit next to them in
4: the living room, right? Yes, right. but on the same note, we don't want our podcasts like linked to be on the same level of depravity as porn. No, not
1: porn, but that was just an example I was giving there, buddy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, great gross. point there,
1: Ryan. I appreciate you saying that. Wait a minute. Right, well, Todd, you, Todd, you were still you were still talking. <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, no, guys. I, I
3: just you know my, my thing is I, I get why, and and times are changing, and I think that's kind of what Fader was alluding to is that times are changing, and you have a choice to make, like. You know, I'm gonna have lesser I'm gonna have a lesser kind of following that's not really cult, but just a lesser following, or I can just appeal to more people and it'll just be a little more bubblegum you know what I mean? Like people are you know, nowadays people are looking for a reason, man. People are looking mm, for a no, reason to, to, to cry or, or bitch about anything.
2: I'm sure I've lost some followers and I'm sure I've lost some sales even from it is my presence on social media is like 50% knives and 50% weed. If you're watching me live, it's because I sat down and rolled a joint and I'm going live, you know? So a lot of people see that as taboo still. And they, yeah. they, they don't, they don't get, and they don't comprehend that I'm in Canada and it's completely fine. And it's a hundred percent like legal here, but does Same that mean oh, the and- devil's lettuce?
4: We had a guest that referred, I can't remember who it was now, but they referred to you and I as the two biggest
2: stoners in knife making. Oh, yeah, dude. I was <laughs> baptized by uh, Lando, uh, Token Tobin. <laughs> That's right. Hey, yeah. listen, I got a knife here.
3: I got a knife from Nick, and it didn't smell like weed. And I shit you not, <laughs> I was like, it's a little weird that it doesn't smell like chronic right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I half expected it to not even half. I was expecting it to smell like weed, but it didn't. I was like, what the hell Open
1: it. that box and just get a waft.
3: No, but it happened you look- to me.
4: It did. Brigham got one of my signets and he he messaged me like three weeks later and he's like, the smell of weeds worn off it. And I've been fucking <laughs> this was like a month ago. I've been stewing on this ever since. I've been like, has every knife I've ever sent out smelled like weed and cigarettes? Like, that's not good. That's not, you can't do that. I'm not retarded. You know? <laughs> you can't like can't say what? that, I, right? <laughs> oh, shit. I'm not an idiot. So I'm not like.
3: Case in point. Case in <laughs> oh, point. There it I'm is. Case in point, right? Like, <laughs> I've
4: been, I've, this has been bugging me since he told me. And when he told me, he was, he thought it was funny. And I was like, ha, ha, ha that's not cool. What the fuck? Oh, no. Um. So may, for us guys out there that smoke, maybe, you know. Don't smoke a cigarette or a blunt while you're packing up That's That's a
2: knife. Imagine, like, your body, like, your clothes and everything, and you walk into somewhere. You definitely smell like that, right? Like, we all know. Like, we don't smell it because we smoke. But, like, if somebody, a non-smoker, walks by you, and you're not even burning one, they'll be like, yeah, he's a pothead. They smell it. You know how many times I walk out of my shop, jump in my car, and I cross the border into Maine? And we all know my (laughs) shop has a perma smell of fucking chronic, so... Yeah, it's, it's, like, I don't understand why they never suspected anything or, like, gave me any hard times over it, but I guess it's cool. But I definitely reek of weed when I cross, you know, but I don't stop myself over it. You know, it is who I am. And a lot of times people appreciate the fact that you're genuine and authentic. Yeah, yeah, so that's why I'm saying like the swearing, the the, the everything else. Just be yourself. Like I uh, complimented uh, that samurai challenge that's going on. Justin Lamuda from Rainy Day Forge, he put his YouTube video out, and I've seen every other video he's done, and he's really good at it too. But this one was different, and I reached out to him and I sent him a message, and then when he answered, which was like ten minutes ago, he said that uh, he was just being himself. He didn't tone anything down. He like he tried the tone down videos. He tried the videos with no no like vocal or nothing, just video progress. And then he tried several other ways and it did feel right to him. But he did this one video. If you guys go check it out, it's very entertaining. It's very well put together and it's it's captivating. Why? Because he's being himself. So if, especially if you know that person and you're watching a video where they're trying to be something else, it's kind of lame if you ask me. So just just be genuine. Just be humble like you guys mentioned earlier. And, yeah, his uh, the, videos are so good. I see oh, on Justin's
4: talent talent. Yeah. Uh, like, he sent me a link to watch something he made, and I was like,
2: dude, yep. oh, my God. And his like, fire and slice stuff was so great, but so good. Like he had to start that over and tone it down. Because he couldn't be himself. Because it was for a major uh, broadcasting station here in and Canada. You guys are in Canada, and they're playing fuck fuck with you guys right now. Yeah, yeah. The CRT is fucking whacked. Okay, all right. You. So we're
1: not going to go there. Um, but I, I, I appreciate what what you just said there, pickle. Because that's kind of so that's kind of what my approach with it was as well. Because you know, I I don't want to be off putting to as many people as I can. Uh, you know, I am a mechanic, so I don't know if you guys have ever been around mechanics, but uh, they swear they, they swear a lot. And uh, so I definitely don't want to come across as off-putting to, you know, as many people as possible, but at the same time, and I've said this to Ryan, you know, multiple times, this is like, I don't want to come across as disingenuous, like you were, like you were just saying, you know, people respond when they understand that you're being, you know, genuine and coming across the way that you are as a person. And the idea of trying to be something that you're not especially for, you know, anyone who's even slightly neurodivergent is exhausting. Yep. It is absolutely exhausting trying to be something that you're not. And it's not worth it in the end because people can see through that facade or they can even hear through that facade. You know, this is oh, just yeah. an audio podcast. You know, they can, they can tell. Um, but I think my, it- you know, just my, my, my thing towards it is I don't, I don't listen to podcasts around my kids and I'm not, and I'm not going to, you know, like uh, exactly. I understand Cause you know what, what you're I'm expecting. Listening to. Yeah, well, I well, I'm I'm expecting you know people to be real, and um, so I, I I think that uh, some prudence and some temperance is necessary to be applied. I think that um, you know if people want to listen to a no swearing podcast, then they can go listen to uh, Storytime. Yeah, I don't know I don't, know, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what, what those podcasts are, but
2: reading rainbow. Them.
1: Yeah. Reading rainbow or <laughs> Mister Rogers, show, man. you know, just, just put Mr. Rogers on, uh, on an audio platform or something like that. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't necessarily want to, you know, eliminate swearing on the podcast, but I would like to, I, 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 personally limit myself and I'm sure that any of any of the listeners who can, who, uh, who are patron members, they know the difference you know <laughs> when it comes to the after show i'm a little more relaxed i'm a little bit more uh open to using whatever language uh, i feel like um but- just because i don't want to be off-putting uh, but i i think that there's a way to temper it to where you're not disingenuous and um and also not offensive at the same time
2: and i find you do a good job at it Noah. like keeping everything under control on the show like with the, with the the games that you play, people sending in things and all that, like filtering out what is good and what's not good and telling people and keeping people on track <laughs> with things. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's just another point right there is if you have to be that way with people to tell them to be on, on point and not send this trash, but you have to keep on reminding people not to send you trash that you don't want on the show, well, you're going to have to remind those people not to listen to the show while their children are around too. You know what I'm that's saying? There's point. just there's just a blockage that does not get through to them and there's nothing you could do about it. You know, so that's how I see it, but I think you do that's a good a, job. At a, it. I appreciate
1: that. Thank you very much. And I think that's a great time to actually go ahead and uh, switch on over to one of those ridiculous games. You guys want to play a little mm-hmm. fake news?
2: Yeah. We're doing yes. two timers or.
1: Well, you. Oh uh, no, I mean, we're not doing
2: the, uh, I was thinking this or that. Sorry.
1: No, no. Actually, I think we're getting, we're running a little bit uh, short on time here, so let's go ahead and we're, we'll skip this or that this time, and uh, we'll just play some fake news, and then uh, we'll throw another ad in after that, and then we'll head on over to the auction show. It's time for some fake news. Police warned that flushing drugs could create hyper-aggressive meth alligators. They say a man with no hands and no legs is armed and on the run. A man admitted to the hospital with 25 plastic toy horses inserted in his rectum. Doctors have described his condition as stable.
4: That's my favorite
1: one. (laughs) That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to play everybody's favorite game. I have three headlines in front of me. Two of them, unfortunately for the future of humanity, were absolutely real. One of them, however, is fake news facade. It is up to all of you lovely listeners at home, Pickle, Todd, and Ryan, to flush out the fake news. Are you ready? All
2: all news is fake. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry,
1: I had to. (laughs) We begin. Man high on LSD saves a dog from a fire that never existed. Next up. Florida man dies after attempting to microwave a microwave.
5: And lastly,
1: (laughs) school bans Valentine's Day after six-year-old tells teacher that he would, quote, plow into her next week.
2: (laughs) That's the real news. I wouldn't be surprised. There's some ignorant parent out there that allows their six year old child to say shit like that, and he probably lets him listen to the podcast too. So, <laughs> 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 uh, no, I think uh, the real one would have been the f- the first one made sense to me.
1: The uh, man high on LSD saving yeah. a dog from a fire that didn't exist.
2: Yeah, i I I I totally understand that, and that could happen. All right. So which one do you think is the fake one? The
3: fake
5: one? Yeah, yeah we're one picking the, the fake oh, one. Oh, fake ones. Fuck. God damn it, Pickle. <laughs> Jesus <Jeez laughs> Christ.
3: You know, okay, oh, I'm going to go. Me. The microwave, fake. It's
4: got to yeah, be yeah, fake. Yeah, I, yeah. I
3: hope that's fake.
4: <laughs> I agree yeah. with Todd. How are you going to fit
2: a microwave in a microwave? Well, there's commercial size industrial microwaves. I'm sure you could get like a small apartment I can fit size a microwave, microwave in into it.
3: For sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. Okay. There's microwaves yeah, size, that are as
2: wide as fucking ovens nowadays. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. even back size in the wise 80s, it's had, not a problem. Yeah. Okay, but uh, how would it react <laughs> if that were to happen? Is what I wonder. Like, you know, because you do have a transformer inside a microwave, and then you it put would do a microwave anything. with another transformer inside of that microwave.
3: Yeah, I don't think it would do anything. It would. But I think that would be the thing.
2: That would be the fake one too. Yeah, you wouldn't die from it. Unless you're sitting in the microwave, that's inside the microwave. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Got some inception yeah. going on here.
2: Uh, I like to think uh, far out sometimes. Microwave but. inception. That's the name of this episode.
1: All right. Maybe we have a
3: consensus here.
1: All right. Yeah. So everyone's going with the uh, the microwave not being real?
3: Yeah, definitely.
1: Congratulations, guys. Well done. Yeah. That uh, That is, in fact, the fake news. Um, yeah. So the man high on LSD – uh man i want to read the whole story here but i didn't um (laughs) dude dude saw that the house was on on fire i'm putting that in quotations here crashed his car through the fence knocked on all the doors to see if there's any people and then saved the dog and when the uh when the police showed up the guy was like all out front all happy like he had just saved this dog from a fire and then uh he he caused, I mean, thousands of dollars worth of damage doing this, and so then he ended up getting arrested. His bail was set at like fifteen grand. Uh, so because, I, I
2: figured it would be real because, you know, you see all kinds of shit on LSD. So, yeah, it yeah. could definitely be a possibility.
1: I mean, props to him for, you know, trying to do a good deed. Doing the um, right yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Doing the right thing. Just
2: <laughs> It's not at the right maybe time.
1: Not, maybe not with LSD. <laughs> the, uh, the school banning the Valentine's Day after the six-year-old uh, told his teacher he would plow under her next week. Yeah, he wrote that in a Valentine's Day card. And here's the thing. That happened in England. So I can only assume that that was honors
4: kid. So,
5: (laughs) just putting that out there.
4: Uh, That LSD one reminded me right before I hopped on the podcast. I saw a reel, which was Larry King interviewing Bill Paxton. And apparently, on the set of the Titanic, the whole crew ate clam chowder that was laced with PCP.
2: I saw that yesterday. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I had no idea. He told the whole story. They all ended up in the yeah. emergency room because they didn't know what was wrong And he's
2: them. like, no, I feel fine enough and went back to the set and got drunk all night. Yeah. He said, I went <laughs> I went back to my trailer and drank a case of beer and a I was beer. okay. <laughs> like You could tell the difference between the hard ones and the soft ones when yeah. it comes down yeah. to shit like that. Like definitely yeah. drugs Drugs are not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Where'd PCP. everybody go?
4: yeah <laughs> let's get dusted. i don't think they ever found out why or who
2: did it <laughs> fucking crazy That's i was crazy. watching i saw another one yesterday too where's this uh this this f- wedding it, it was at a wedding and uh, people started complaining about feeling you know nauseous and weird and all that and somebody had the catering business or whatever somebody had paid somebody to fucking lace the food with weed and mm-hmm. uh that whole fucking wed- wedding ended up getting crashed by the police and oh, they got arrested. They got arrested and shit. Like, well, they got picked up and like brought in for interrogation. Like, let's sort this out. Uh, they got brought downtown for that, but that was pretty fucking like. Like I said, it's That's not one for way to everybody. Ruin your wedding.
0: Jeez. Yeah,
2: and it's not for we, everybody. We if a, you're a groom and you're getting married, don't lace your fucking party's food with weed.
4: Yeah, especially. Yeah, most people don't understand eating weed is way different than smoking it.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. So speaking of that, we had a uh, we had a technician um the straightest guy you could ever like imagine like the guy you know just like clean pants like you can never encountered weed before in his life probably didn't drink He, he the straightest guy you can imagine for whatever reason this is the stupidest thing i've ever heard uh grabbed a cookie out of a customer's car and ate one of their cookies and first of all If you're a mechanic, you don't touch anything in a customer's vehicle unless you have to. Like I hate when I have to pull out a glove box, you know, to like change a cabin air filter or something because I don't like messing with people's stuff, you know, and I try and put everything back the way that it was. You know, like I don't want to be the guy that's accused of messing with somebody's stuff that's in their car, you know, and you know, we, we find guns in cars and like all different kinds of stuff and you don't touch it, right? You just leave people's stuff alone, right? This dude ate one of the cookies that was on the passenger seat. A couple least. hours later, an ambulance had to come get him because he thought he was having a heart attack. Like <laughs> he had no idea what was happening, and so finally, after he had like gone to the hospital, and they're like, "Dude, you're high. Like, what? What, what do you want us to do about it?" <laughs> so that's when he finally admitted to stealing a customer's cookie off of their their passenger
2: seat.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Did, yeah.
4: Did I it tell the story on on this show, or was it the bro down? I know I told it on the bro. I don't know if I told it on this show. But there was one night recently, like a month or two ago, I was coming in mm. the house at like 4.30 mm. in the morning yes. to go to bed. And I ate some cookies my wife had made. And I didn't realize that they were weed cookies. And so I ate them and immediately went to bed and then woke up the next day and thought I was dying. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is the matter with me? Light wheat? <laughs> I don't. I don't it, <sighs> i'm one of them people it affects me i smoke a lot of pot i i With we said earlier though, they're too much I, yeah. I get fucking wrecked and oh, dude, like off like 10 good. 20 milligrams we're talking my wife estimated i eat 750
2: <laughs> you know right how before. much I i eat before bed like when i'm at the end of the day in the shop in the evening i go for a full 500 And within an hour and a half, I start getting a little wobbly. That's when I, that's my cue to go take a shower because if I give myself another half hour after that, I'm probably going to fall in the shower, but then I hit the sack and I get the best night's sleep ever. And I could sleep like a full eight to 10 hours without being disturbed by my pain or anything is great. And
4: for people who don't know, 10 milligrams is a medical dose.
2: Yeah. What
4: was
3: that, Todd? I said 10 hours. <laughs> I haven't slept like that. I don't think ever in my dude,
5: life. <laughs> dude, I swear
2: to God, it feels so good. Like, I don't do it constantly every day. It's not a daily habit or nothing. Like, it's not a crutch for sleep. Uh, I don't sleep much, period. And a lot of that is due to pain. And uh, it's a lot of rolling around at night and numb body parts. So uh, after a couple of weeks, two, three weeks of not getting good rest, I – I get my edibles and I do two or three nights of just solid sleep. And if I start my day at twelve in the afternoon and then at noon, I don't care. Like I don't have to punch in. So for me yeah, it works. Yeah. You know, I could yeah, allow yeah. myself to to get that good rest when I need it. You know, a lot of people can't because they're stuck punching in every morning at six o'clock or seven or whatever. So that's why I do it, you know, like I permit myself to do it because it's self care. Important. Everybody needs sleep, dude. Get oh, yeah. at it. Oh god. <laughs> if I could shoot up weed, I would.
5: No, <laughs> oh my
2: god.
1: <laughs> well, with that, Ryan, let's hear from uh let's hear from Luke one more time. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good.
5: Hustle and grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to PhoenixAbrasives.com Click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the incinerator 36 grit ceramic belts along with the Trizact Gator belts that the host of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order.
1: Thanks, Luke. I just want to talk abrasives for just a couple seconds um, just to highlight Phoenix. I ordered from them... Uh, this last Monday and my box arrived on Friday and that's about as good as it gets living in the Northwest. Most, most places, I mean, it takes at least a week. Um, So, I mean, as far as like fast shipping and getting it here when you need it, Phoenix is going to get you, going to get you covered. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Spill over my words there. Um, I tried out the, they have some flexible ceramic belts and I haven't really ever, tried flexible ceramic belts before. Um, but with that uh, WIP attachment that I have from Ameribraid, you really need something flexible if you're going to be doing either the, you know, the the integral grinding, you need something flexible for that. Uh, but you also need something very flexible if you're going to be using that the plunge attachment. And I have a knife right now that I wanted to try out that plunge attachment to clean up those plunge lines um, and get those evened up because I was just doing like a straight satin finish on it with a plunge. And it worked phenomenally. I think I had the, it's like a blue ceramic and it was f- like a one, 180 grit um, with that flexible backing. And it was phenomenal. So I'm definitely going to be picking up some more of those from Phoenix. The other thing that I tried, and I'm curious to hear if any of the other listeners have done this. Um, I have kept my 1x30 grinder this whole time because I have a leather stropping belt for it. And that's all I use it for. I pick it up from underneath the bench every time I'm doing sharpening. I do my sharpening on the grinder and then I just strop it on the one by 30. And I'm really sick of that. And so I was going to buy a leather stropping belt for the grinder, but I was like, eh, do I really need to spend like 50 bucks on a you know one belt? Like eh, maybe I'll just, you know, I'm a cheap ass. Um then I remembered that I had this that black felt polishing belt that I also got from Phoenix. And I was like, eh, maybe I'll give that a try dude, I got some of the best edges that I've ever gotten. You know, with this, these little kind of integral hunters that I'm making with these antler handles, they've got a little bit of a chunkier edge on them um, than like I would normally do for a chef or anything like that. You know, it's kind of a a medium edge and I don't really measure things. So don't ask me how many thousands that is. Um, But uh, yeah, just being able to, I mean, still running, I run in reverse, you know, I grind on the, you know, just above the platen to get my edges and everything. And, uh, just keeping it in reverse with that felt belt where you can see that wire edge before you flip it off. And you can see with that polishing belt when it's removing that edge, it was phenomenal. And the edges look fantastic. I mean, it's almost like a, like a almost a mirror polished edge, just a little bit of white, uh, white buffing compound on that felt belt. It was awesome. So that's, I think that's just basically how I'm going to sharpen from now on because I loved it. Have you guys ever used one of those before?
4: I have one. I haven't used it. I have a leather stropping belt for my 2x72.
2: Okay.
1: All right.
2: Um, I got a leather one on my 1x30 as well, and I actually sharpened on my 1x30 still. Oh, really? Yeah. I like, muscle memory is just so set to it, and I've tried, like, different Tormac and put so much money into sharpening systems, and I just could never, never, never get the feel of it and make it permanent. So the Mm. 1x30 is... Where I go at, and I bring it up to four hundred leather strop. That's it. Nice two twenty four hundred leather finish.
3: I've uh, I've changed my sharpening technique a hundred percent to a whole new uh, technique about four months ago, uh, and it's using super cold ice water, and uh, and I just treat the the platen like a like a stone. And so, obviously, working in a kitchen for so many years. I just tilt my platen so that it's almost not vertical, obviously, because then it would the belt and be all on it, but it's as vertical as it could be. And mm-hmm. I just roll it really slow at like 10%. And I just, just as if I'm on the stone and that gets it pretty, pretty sharp for me. Interesting. And I still do the, the leather afterwards, 72. Huh.
1: Do you, do you have to worry about any sort of chatter on your platen like that? No. Uh-uh. What kind of belt are you using that you don't get any chatter on
3: then? I'm just using the flex. Using the flex for that G flex, so I, I go up to yeah, I go up to 400, and then from there, um, and it's a really worn, so it's probably probably more like 700 800. Have you gotcha. tried okay. the
2: um, like I've seen a lot of guys use them for sharpening? Is the um, the VSM, fuck god damn it, not the actor rocks, obviously, because that's a 36 ceramic belt, but the the Sunbrights or whatever they're called, it's no, no, their the, version of. No, it's uh, I the Velcro backed ones that you're talking about, Velcro backing ones. Is that what you're talking about, Ryan?
4: I'm talking about their version of Gator oh, belt. Okay,
2: yeah, no, it's not a Gator belt either. It's it's like a compound almost on the belt, cork. Oh, like the like the blue the blue not the cork ones. They're they're red like their ceramic belts, reddish Illumiron? brown. Illumeron? Illumeron, Yes, thank you for fuck's sakes. <laughs> I literally need to go take a good hoot after this because I can't, I can't think straight right now. So yeah, anyways, uh, the Lumerons are uh, really nice for sharpening, I guess. I've heard from a few guys that sharpen on their 2x72s and use the Lumerons, get really good uh, results and no chatter. I admittedly have always struggled
4: with sharpening, especially freehand. And I recently started using the Ameribraid sharpening attachment. And it's fucking awesome. I already had a digital inclum, inclinometer or whatever, you know, like the yep. angle finder, because I built my revolution. You need one to build uh whatever. So yeah. yeah I um the attachment works mint. It's super quick to set up too. I got I, wrong. Go ahead.
1: I need uh, to get one of those. Um, do you use that with a flat platen, slack, or with uh, like a rotary platen? Flat does it
2: have? It doesn't it have a little platen on the top though? No, Not the no. It's, one? No,
4: it's a it's a bar that sits in front of your platen, so you can, okay. okay. It's like the like Dennis Tyrell's new system, how it goes off
2: the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ameribraid one is the same it's thing. It just front. goes off the bottom. I got the multi attachment from Ron Hips. He sent me that which is like a small wheel attachment, a waterfall platen attachment, and a sharpening attachment all in one. And uh, the waterfall platen plate itself is what acts as your platen for your sharpening system too. So oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So the whole small wheel kit is all made to be adapted with these other attachments to make it whatever it needs to be. So it's basically a small wheel kit and you could throw the sharpening attachment onto it that has the adjustable rod and the clamp and all that jazz but it sits on your platen that's tilted for the waterfall platen but you Mm -hmm. can take that waterfall platen out and then use that wheel for your small wheel kit the tensioning wheel and all that to bring down your belt so it's a pretty versatile system uh i find it works pretty nice especially with the small wheels attachment is that the wheels are sitting in front of the holder Nice, yeah. So you could actually yeah. use it for fullering at multiple sizes without a problem. The Back to what you were saying
1: with those alumeron belts, those are kind of a structured abrasive, but there's not like a gator belt where you've got ridges in them. Yeah, there's and, no ridges. Uh, it's, it's
2: full and flat belt. There's no grit sticking a, it's out, a no th- nothing. Thick,
1: it's a thick abrasive on there, so you don't get any real chatter. Um, Jason Moss um, was the one that recommended those to me. Um, yeah, yeah. Of looks I think like, that's
2: who i saw bring that up too i think it was
1: him one of them yeah there. shout out yeah. shout out to Aru bladeworks for that one yeah
4: it kind of looks like
2: pup tart frosting yeah,
4: yeah. almost that's yeah. a great way to put it yeah
2: yeah absolutely you're right and you know what it's durable too like it'll last long like if you could use it on your bevels too like if you want to polish up a nice bevel and you know even at the 221 or 321 you could still chew some metal up with it you know so you could get a nice polished finish with those belts too compared to any other higher grip belt that you use on one blade and it's trash after you know what i'm saying so that's what's nice about those uh do i do high polish finish no so i've never tried it all right well guys I think uh, I think that's a
1: show. We're an hour and fifteen in. Is there anything uh anything else anyone wants to say on the main show before we switch on over to an after show?
2: Wah 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 wah.
1: Well said. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, hey, if everybody's good, um, we're gonna go ahead and switch over to an after show. One last uh one last bill we gotta pay here is uh if you are somebody that works out in your shop with hot metal, hot forges. Uh, don't worry about getting dehydrated. Get yourself some liquid IV. Um, it's a little packet you just mix in with your water. It hydrates you twice as fast as water alone. It tastes great. Gives you all the electrolytes you need. It's got that salt in there. All the other things that I can't you know pronounce because I'm not a scientist. Um, all I know is, is that I feel good <laughs> after drinking it. And uh, it's really helped me this summer. I'm still drinking it. Um, I'm back to going to the gym every morning. So I need to stay hydrated. I sweat a lot cause I'm out of shape now. Cause I took the summer off at the gym. Um, it's great stuff. If you go to, uh, their website, liquidiv.com, you can use the code hustle 10, get yourself 20% off of that order. Really appreciate you guys using that code. And, uh, it's something we use. So that's why I'm okay promoting it. So um really appreciate you guys doing that. Also, if you want to listen to the after show that we're about to go into, um, there's going to be some spicy stuff, you know, stuff you're not going to hear on the main show, kind of like we described already, um, but more in depth. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash hustle and grind for as little as $1 a month, you can be a part of that. You can be a part of that conversation um, and you can comment and see stuff that uh, we don't, don't have anywhere else it's only on Patreon, so or patreon sorry anyways so anyways we really appreciate all of our patreon supporters and uh thank you guys so much for helping to support the show and uh we'll see you guys over in the after show
4: yeah thanks guys for coming on thanks for having us super fun
1: todd pickle it's been a pleasure it's been fantastic yeah man
4: bye Peace Um. out. That was a good one.